Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Ian Prendercaster Carlton podcast brought to you as always by the good people at MGA Traffic and we're recording in the immediate aftermath of one of the stranger wins I think we'll ever talk about. I don't think you'll ever find three people who know less uh, to make of a, of a performance, let alone a win, than what we are tonight. Uh, my name's Sean Peter Budge. I'm joined as always by Tim Davis, podcast regular, oh. never misses a beat, Timbo, Dr. Davis. Sean, how are you, sir? Impeccable attendance record as always from you, Tim. It's a pleasure to see you with us. <laughs> no, it's good to be here, mate. It's, uh, but as you said, it was a strange old night tonight, wasn't it? Very, very, very bizarre. Very bizarre. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of it as we go along. And I'm only like, it's just in jest, Faber Ganoush, but you are back. You're with us. Barely. Bonus out of the gutsy. How you feeling, big fella? Not great. Yep. But um, What about the performance? <laughs> Likewise, the, perform- the performance was on par with my internet connection and hence my Foxtel connection. So I didn't see a lot of Sydney's seven goals. This could, be the, was- this could be the first person to have ever reviewed or tried to critically assess a match based on the AFL Live tracking app. <laughs> uh, even that even that really wasn't working. <laughs> You'll see how much sense can be made of the scoreworm out of uh, Fabian tonight. Well, it is good to have you back, uh, Faber Ganoush. We missed you last week. We soldiered on without you. And prove that um, everyone's replaceable. So without, without me, it's 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 really not the same. <laughs> everyone's replaceable, and we can just go one man down. None of this Alistair Clarkson, one soldier out, one soldier up. We can we'll just we'll just GWS against us at Marvel. We'll go shorthanded. We'll get it done. Um, <laughs> we obviously meet uh, tonight uh, in the Paul Strange Paul of a victory. Um, we sort of mentioned off the top how weird it is to make sense of of what we've just seen because. We did get out of jail, and as good as that comeback win was, the first quarter and a bit was twice as bad as any positive we can take out of the result. And there are positives, and we will get to them and celebrate those positives. What we served up in the first quarter and a bit was as bad a football as any team has played in 2020, and we weren't really playing a very good team, at least when Geelong blew Essendon off the park. This is a team legitimately contending for a premiership this year. And there's been other examples as well, but you sort of sat there and went, the golfing class is self-evident and even understandable. Timbo, there are no excuses for our first quarter and a bit. We're sorry to lead off with the negative stuff such as it is, but Timbo, what we served up from the get-go for the first quarter and a half was disgusting. I, I think, as you say, just we, we in our review can follow the pattern of the game, and the pattern of the game was... Um, you know, we weren't clean with the footy. We were rushed. We were bombing. We we didn't have structure. Um, and then when the ball hit the ground, we weren't able to put enough pressure on Sydney, and they cut through us like a hot knife through butter. And uh, and um, yeah, you know, they, they were able to they were able to put the score on the board, but we we weren't even close to them. You know that that. There wasn't moments where you're going, oh, if this could have happened or that could have happened, we might have been able to prevent that goal. The moment they were out, they were gone, and 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 we were nowhere to be seen. So, however, we were we were setting up, and, and we were trying to be able to defend them. You know, coming from back fifty all the way out, we were. It, it just wasn't working. So, it was. Um, it needed. It needed some serious changing awfully quickly. And we took our sweet time to be able to arrest any control over being able to defend against them. But then the moment that we did, um, then we were good afterwards. But it was, again, you know, you, you don't get second chances against too many teams in the AFL. And 
we, we lamented our Melbourne performance, saying it was one that was winnable. But when you when you concede seven goals, no one deserves to win. So, um, yeah, at least we haven't had two of them this year. But as you say, it doesn't doesn't make you walk away with any satisfaction. That sound you can hear in the background is Fab um, writing with a sharpie. I think it is. Is it a texter? No, just a bick. The yeah. old the old. I think he's turning the page. Okay. 50 cent bick. So uh, we just want to make sure we get that on the record because remember when you said you couldn't hear yourself yawning and does it come up on the record? <laughs> yeah, it does. Sounds like you. Sounds you, like you're you writing the. Must, you're, you and Timbo must have been waffling. Sounds like you can make the writing the great American novel as you're just recording this one tonight. Uh, Faber Ganoush, um, I'm always keen to get your opinion after any uh, performance, but after one that's just yep. so polarizing, I want some unfettered, unfiltered uh, gold from you. What have you got for me? Well, it, as you as you let off with, it's kind of hard for me to to give a full. I watched the second quarter. That's why I want your opinion because you you're, you you actually might be able to make more sense of just, it having seen less of it. As I'm seeing, as I'm seeing the score come up, it's it's. it's I'm thinking. Oh, I was just unaware as to how poor we were playing. So I'm I'm, I'm going on the feedback from a few of the trusted people here, but apparently our, our, our set, like just to hear that our our setup and our execution is none different to what we've been serving up in the last, say, six quarters. It just, just it beggars belief against a side where we should be comfortably controlling the game. This should have been a Gold Coast like controlling of a game. And, and once the once the tide turned, it was. But and, I, and, and from what, from what I saw, the three quarters that I actually did watch, it it, it appeared that way. But I, I, I don't. We just give ourselves no margin for error too often. That, that, that's spot on. That's just spot no on. margin for error, and and that's the issue we've got is that what we played once we got our foot in the game was really good, and to, to finish up um, was it eight goals to one uh, once we got on the scoreboard. Yeah, it was. So our it was second eight, half, nine to eight four half. is your final score. So. Yeah, our second half structure. Our second half structure was. We're, we're going to get was, to structure shortly. Better. Shortly, but. To go and to, to do what we were able to do once we eventually got ourselves into the game, as Fabian says, you do that over the course of the first three quarters or the majority of the four quarters, and you have a very comfortable win, and, and you actually put a marker in the ground as to the difference between the two te- the two sides. There's been a lot of chat in the last couple of weeks about how the Swannies are developing, oh, they're going to be contending. Oh. Timmy's bloods. Or, or Timmy's bloods. They're going to be contending before you know it. And you go, well, let's wait and see. We are further along that path than they are, and... We got a glimpse and we got proof that that is the case, but not before getting an almighty reality check in the first quarter and a bit, as I keep saying. Now, after was, we, it, was it effort and application in that first it quarter? It was everything. It was everything. It was execution of skills was disgusting. Structure behind the ball, uh, which we're going to touch on, was very, very poor. We were sloppy, obviously, by hand and by foot. Um they were playing a very slow tempo brand of football, which, to be honest with you, should be relatively easy for an organised backline, which ours has become to defend. We just couldn't do it, yeah. and and that was because of a little bit of lack of pressure up the field. But it was just disgusting all around. And look, to their credit, they did kick very accurately. Um, you know, four goals to four points at one stage. But we didn't have pressure on them, sure. No, you know, exactly it, right. It, it, anyone at AFL level needs to be able to execute in that circumstance. But you are right. You are absolutely right. 
Um, so obviously worthwhile addressing the elephant in the room. I sent out a tweet from the Prendercast handle. Okay, I, I, I want this on record. You sent out a tweet, so yeah. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not well, it was, disagreeing with. It was literate, so it came from me. Um, so, uh, but effectively asking the question. And it wasn't a call for David Teague to be sacked. People have interpreted it as me saying we need to sack David Teague effective immediately at the halftime uh, break. No, no, no. You went fishing. I did a bit. I did a bit. Um, we have some very real. We have some very real questions that need to be asked and answered. And if anyone doesn't think that, if anyone wants to take the four points tonight, take the win tonight, and ignore the very alarming trends that we see every single week and that only seem to matter certain weeks and when certain players do it, um, we're not going to get any better. And maybe I was a bit too... I was, uh, wasn't broad enough. I'm speaking, and I've been on this for, for a week or so, and people can go back through the Twitter and see it. We need to address our entire coaching structure, the personnel and the philosophy, because if things stay the way they are, we might naturally improve. We're going to speak about this a bit, a bit earlier, oh, a bit later, sorry. I had a chat with a, a guy on, on Twitter very early in the piece after sending that tweet. And we kick a few goals and naturally people come out of the woodwork and want to pot you and say you're not a fan and cop that. No one's copping anything. I'm never going to fucking turn down a Carlton goal. Don't care when we're kicking them. But the reality is our first four goals of the game were not structure. In the second, in the second quarter, our first four goals of the game were not kicked based on any kind of structure. We can go through them. Zach Fisher, opportunistic off a pack inside forward 50. Really, really good finish. Uh, with little time and space. Goal number one. Goal number two, Patrick Cripps um, wins a free kick against a smaller opponent, ends up kicking a really low percentage snap around his body. Fantastic goal, great skill. Goal number three, Ed Kerno instinctively kicks the ball off the deck, goes into forward 50. Harry Mackay takes a sensational contested mark out on the lead, turns quickly, snaps a goal. Goal number four, some good pressure from a few different players. Sam Walsh gut runs into the forward 50, gathers on the overlap, excellent running goal on his right. Those are our first four goals. They have nothing to do with structure. They have nothing to do with moves from the box. They have everything to do with individual skill from a couple of players at a time. That's yep, the breakdown. Fair, fair That's, That's the breakdown. So yeah, sit, 100%. So when people sit there and say, oh, well, Tiki moved the magnets, to his eternal credit, absolutely he did in the second half. But we got ourselves back into that game and back into within striking distance, wholly and solely on the back of the efforts, a handful of them, individual players. So when we sit here and... Look, we, we love, and we, we made no uh, bones about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, Bucky, Heath Buck's had a bit of a stab. I'm not 100% sure if it's in jest or if he's had a bullet in the chamber for months after we said he'd overreacted to our loss to the ladder leading Port Adelaide, who I believe, Tim, are they still on top of the ladder? At last, look, yes. So ladder leading Port Adelaide beat us with a kick after the siren, and there were several people in the Carlton community who went spare about it. Absolutely spare. So we front up tonight, however many months later, we turn in probably the most disgusting performance of our season to date. And that's nah, Mel- Melbourne was worse. Melbourne was bad, but Melbourne are a better team than Sydney. Sydney beat them last week. But generally speaking, I don't no, no, know no, what you're I, saying. Melbourne are an enigma within we themselves. Turn, we are, no, they are. Well, so are we. We turn up tonight. <laughs> having frittered away two brilliant opportunities to win matches in the last two weeks from very, very winnable positions. We turn up tonight and turn in the performance we did. We're seven goals down before we can even blink. And people are coming out going, leaving themselves nowhere to go, leaving themselves the outrage is not evident. There's no critical critique of that. Apparently I've come out and said, geez, we probably need to have a look at the coaching group. 
No, you, look, if you said that, I reckon you wouldn't have. That's what it. I was. That's what I was saying. Yeah, oh, we no, need to have no, a very you, serious. You're a, learned, you're a learned individual, and you've, you've you've come out with a tweet. I reckon plenty of thinking it. Did we appoint the wrong guy? Not is the mix in the coach's box wrong? I think that's always a pertinent Which question. Which is fine. You can pose the question. I've got no issue with you posing the question, and people getting fucking sensitive over it, and you know, and being a bit precious in their responses. You've asked a question, right? It's it's you know. I don't necessarily personally think that David Teague is the wrong guy. I think in his 25, 24, five games in charge, I think we're about 50-50. Now, do I think as a coaching collective that we are where we should be and that everything is rosy? Very far from it. And if that isn't being looked at slash question slash do you know what I mean? At, at a board level, at, at a football department level, thinking this we needs had someone to change, we then, had, then we are then we are kidding ourselves, we, and that is something that people have to get serious about. Now, Fab, I didn't obviously, as I clarified, didn't suggest we sack David Teague. What I was suggesting, as I said, was probably more coaching group base, but at the same time, you got. People, I think that's what you intended. You got, I don't think it's come off. that Yeah. Way from, so you got, but you got people coming out going, "Well, we just keep sacking the coach. Or do we just keep sacking the coach?" You know. And, I, and my response to one of them was, "Until you find a good one, yeah, sure." Yeah, look, look, and if, that goes for that the, goes if, for the, if he's the wrong if he's the wrong one. But that goes for a head coach, for a line coach, for a development coach. Yeah. You don't get to get a job. It's not a tenure. You don't get a job for four or five years. As soon as your coach isn't the man, whether he be the head coach or a line coach, see you later. That's how Essendon are where they are. So that was yep. the point. And as you said, yeah. so yeah, had people coming out of the woodwork to have a crack, and that's their prerogative. Um, well, put it on the put your put your slap your jacks down, which is what we do on this podcast. Um, Okay, the man himself. What's your personal opinion? My personal opinion is there are trends to our performances which lay at the feet of the coach, and that is the senior coach, not his assistant coaches. We're going to get on to these briefly. Um, he yep. is wholly and solely accountable as the head coach for all aspects of the club's and the team's performance week in and week out, ultimately, whether that is fair or unfair, as the circumstances may dictate. Um we have a number of very alarming trends to the way we play games of football that if they're not being addressed week to week now, if they're not going to be addressed come season's end, we're in a lot of trouble. That is priority number one, is to get the right coaching mix around David Teague to support whatever his philosophy may be to ensure we continue to improve. Now, we are playing better football than we did under Brendan Bolton. We are in more games than we were, were under Brendan Bolton. It's no, not hard. Not hard, not difficult, but no, no question. But at the same time, when you got people after that Port Adelaide game losing their minds because we should be playing finals, you can't then discount the questions that we're asking about our coaching group when we're a net probably three games short of where we should be based on some immature coaching, some immature execution, some immature performances. You can't sit there and just absolve things because we won a close one tonight again. We got out of jail again. You can't sit there and go, no, nah, everything's all fine. We don't need to look into this too deeply. You go, absolutely, we do. We have to treat this yeah. like an autopsy. Yeah, you, you, you've got to be able to learn from every game, win, lose or draw. And, and as you say, you can't, you can't say we got the W and just turn your back on the performance and move forward and pretend um, that, that, you know, something doesn't, Something isn't quite right, um, but then equally, I think I think tonight there were 
you know, we, we've said a lot throughout the season that we haven't had too many performances where we've had um, uh, 22 players contributing. And, and I think tonight, you know, those that played well played exceptionally. Um, and there were a lot of other people that um, they just didn't quite, they didn't quite do enough. We were able to get over the line, the line which was terrific. And, and as you say, we will always take a win when we can get one because God God knows the last five years, you know, they've been few and far between. But if we're wanting to get to where we need to get to, we've, we've talked the last few few weeks, the word's been ruthless. We need to be ruthless in the way that we look at what we're doing. And if there's an opportunity to get better, you get better. And it's not to say move Tiggy on, but, you, but you're saying let's get the, the mix in the coach's box that, you know, has us playing the best style of football we need to. And, and, and if that's in supporting Tiggy, great. I'll ask a question of you two before we move off the coaching group as a group. Well, you're quick to move off this one, Sean. We're, uh... we're still talking about it. I'm asking you a question about it. I know you're not using your microphone. Are your back. headphones plugged in? He's backpedalling in his No, timber. you're talking, kidding. I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to ask the two of you a direct question about our coaching right. group. We're still talking about them. Um, yeah. Timbo, you first, because you're not belligerent. Do you believe that there will be wholesale changes within our coaching group come the end of this season? Well, I... As I said the other week, because of the nature of COVID and the fact that the football department will get a shake-up, the, the, the pure answer to that is yes. Um, but I, like you, um, I think there's a lot of staff that have remained from the Bolton era. Um, and, and again, not to say that that makes them a bad egg or a bad apple or whatever, but I think we do need to change up um, you know, the mix that we've got in there. I think we, we, we need some fresh ideas um, and, and and I think we need to, I think we need to change it up. I think the focus on development needs to needs to increase further, um, and uh, and we've got to be playing a more modern style of football. And 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 the slingshot out of defence and the ability to be able to cut us open is um, is hurting us. So how we need to structure up to be able to defend against that, uh, we need to be better at. Fabian, what's the question again, Sean? Do you believe there'll be a clean-out of our coaching ranks come season's end? I don't think there'll be a wholesale clean-out. I think there'll be changes. Um, and I think there needs to be I think there always needs to be an element of refreshing of that coaching panel list and to give someone like David Teague the mechanisms to which or, or levers which he can pull. I think I think I like David Teague as a head coach, as the guy in charge of a collective, I just don't know if the the tools at his disposal are the best they can be. Now, when we spoke about this on Twitter, or were we all chipping in on Twitter during the week, uh, my my answer was, I, I really don't know. Like, I, a lot of people are wanting to appoint players based on footballing reputations, which I just don't think is fair. Like, you just don't know someone is a great coach unless you're in the four walls of a football club or, or you're around the football system to know as much. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and I'll, like, Dale Amos cops a lot of shit because, let's be honest, no one knows who the fuck Dale Amos is. Well, it's the same thing. Wait, he, could wait, be, wait. He, he could be the best, he could be the, the most important piece of the puzzle at the Carlton Football Club. But because his name's Dale Amos and people go, who is he? He well, gets it's the same more than anyone. It was the same thing with Wayne Britton. Wayne Britton and, and Brendan Bolton to a lesser extent as well. When you don't have a 
um, a decorated um, reputation that precedes yourself. The moment anything goes wrong, you are you are too easily questioned, which within itself is wrong because if you're good enough to accede to the role that you're in, then clearly you're doing something right. But it makes it awfully hard to be able to, to defend, and uh, and 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 that that was that's always going to be the issue for people like that. So yeah, look, finally, this I think that with regard to coaching, with regard to the mix, as Fabian said, um, very responsibly, I must say, I think blind faith is dangerous. I think you know you and I. I don't know if Fab was in the room. Did we speak about it where? a week or two ago that the notion that your football club employs someone and therefore that person is perfect and right for the job uh, and is best in show is a fallacy. It's just not true. Um, so the idea that we should be satisfied with the way that our the club is currently being coached, and I mean wholly satisfied, there are aspects of our performance that have absolutely improved. But like I said, when you've got after certain other results, people be- bemoaning an expectation that we play finals – yet the same thing continues to happen week after week after week that hampers and hinders our ability to win the games to qualify for finals, you can't then say, I don't have any misgivings. Because the misgivings, no, well, it, the, the misgivings it's, it's are self-evident. Right. The misgivings it's right are self-evident. It's right for the question to be, to be posed 100%. Um, I just don't think you were willing to pose the question that it, it's come off as being. But um, There was a bit of fishing about it, but... Um, like I said, you, yeah, it, was you, heavy, you, it, was heavy, it was heavily baited. You went fishing with dynamite. <laughs> you can be happy to have won. We're all happy to have won. And you can also simultaneously be worried about the things we continue to see, which we're going to talk about, which we're going to get into. Um, there are obviously lots and lots of plenty, plenty of positives to get through, um, which we're going to do now in the chicken salads. Um, and there's, look, there's, there's no better place to start than uh, we've had a bit of feedback on Twitter, um, separate from the mailbox segment. Regarding Sam Walsh, Sam Walsh is the best young player in the competition. He is. There is no doubt. I'll be interested to see Kane Corns talk about this in coming weeks. He's gone awfully quiet, old Kano, over the last four to six weeks as Sam Walsh has put together an extraordinary back half of the year. Fab, we have we 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 don't want to labour the point with Sam Walsh because of late we are talking about him pretty much in this light every week. He is everything as advertised and more. And more. And I, I remarked to Tim that he did what Paddy Cripps hasn't been able to do this season, which was will himself to every single contest tonight. He it was incredible. He was inc- he's he's backing it up. His consistency for a nineteen-year-old footballer is off the charts. It's off the charts. We we can we can not, no one can sit here and say that we have taken the wrong bloke. No one. He wasn't alone. Well, I think what the most pleasing thing was when we needed traction to get into the game, he wasn't alone. There were players that stood up. But to have, yeah, this, yeah. have this guy in his second year be very much at the forefront of everything that was good about our performance is unbelievable. He made that one kick outside of um, the fence, which was disappointing, uh, which did cost us a goal. But that was his only misstep for the entire night. But, but when you watch the replay, he he received the handball on the backside of the goal square as he ran across goals. Liam Jones was trying to put the shepherd on and one of the forwards, it might have been Sam Reid, tried to put pressure on him. And, he, and, and if he had been tackled, it would have been holding the ball within yes, five yeah. metres of goal. So he, sure. knew, he knew it wasn't worth rolling the dice because if you fuck it up there, it's massive. 
and he's made the call. I'm kicking it to the space, and I'm going to make sure it's 45 metres away from goal, not five. And Florence taking the mark. Cottrell could have put more pressure on, but obviously Cottrell ended up being able to mask some of his errors on the night. Um, but Ollie Florence kicked a beautiful goal. And, not, and Ollie Florence, what, top 10 draft pick, exceptional athlete, from great stock, developing really nicely as a football player and uh, and kicked a good goal. You know, all power to him. Love it. But um, but the decision by Walsh to put it where he put it was still right. No, agree, agree. And and that was the only misstep in an, in an otherwise flawless performance from a young man who has no right to be playing the quality of football he is and continues to play and has played since day one, deep into a second season. He's, you know, like everyone, he's everyone struggling away from home, compressed fixtures, all that nonsense. He is an absolute star, and oh, we're just running out of superlatives for him. He's just phenomenal. Um, probably the most pleasing aspect of the performance for me tonight was Samo. Fab. Uh, yep. So I, I thought, what do we, he played, started at half back, and you sort of went, oh, yeah, okay, here we go again. They're persisting with this. As the game wore on and as we sort of took more territory and found ourselves attacking, you know, from a more advanced position on the field, he was sort of by proxy kind of playing midfield. And what we got from him was exactly what we always get from him. Not not even the case that it was raining and he's always unbelievable Mm. in the wet. Um, That was his best game for the year comfortably. Not to try and pile in on Teague or not give Teague any credit because I don't think he's pulled the lever of putting him into the midfield. I just think by... The way of the, the lines, the way they were set up, that Samo just seemed to be, like you're saying, on the back end of that midfield and finding himself in the midfield a bit more to then be able to impact. And the kid the kid can be an absolute star. He's got yes, he might get caught a couple of times and yes, he might do a few sloppy things, but he's got the poise. He doesn't he doesn't panic. He never panics. He always seems to just want, you know, seems to be in control. And sometimes you think, oh, it might come off a little bit lazy and a little bit, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? But he's, he's just, he has that sense around the football. And especially when it started to get a little bit wet. Jesus Christ, Samo is the Michael Schumacher of AFL football. The rainmaster. Yeah, he is the rainmaster. Um, We've just got to see this kid. I, I personally, I'd have him on a win. Do you know in Bernie, put, Bernie Eccleston, that senile old fool, one of the things, rather rich, than... senile old fool. He's just a used car salesman, legitimately. One of, uh, one of his ideas at one point to liven up Formula One was to randomly, ad hoc, just turn the sprinklers on around the, the track. So certain, <laughs> sections, so certain sections of the track. And someone said... Like the whole track? He goes, no, just certain sections of it. He goes, they'll, oh, be, wow. they'll be aquaplaning all over just the fucking place. Just a little bit of craziness. Just like your tweet. Just, just just sending Twitter into a bit of a frenzy. I think just, he was probably a little bit more serious than me, but um, <laughs> based on his track record. But uh, <laughs> rather, someone responded, why don't you just open the regs up and let people develop their cars? Um, I think the – I said, did you want to weigh in on Samo, uh, Timbo? Because um, – Oh no! Look, I just—I think, as you sort of said, he—we've we, always known that he—he he has a poise um, that young footballers really have. Um, He—he's that footballer that can create time and space. Um, he's never panicked, and he's probably not—he's he, not a long kicking footballer. He, he's just a guy that can distribute and pick off those, mm. 
you know, 20 to 30 metre picks. Uh, I don't kicks. think we have any long kicking footballers, Timber, at all. Yeah, but a, lot, a long kick in modern day football just asks to be marked too. So I, I, I think our, well, one of our key long kicking footballers is Jacob Weathering. I, I think when he takes the game on and he looks to expand and push and press and all that sort of stuff, his foot skills and his ability to be able to distribute and open up player is as good as any player in the competition and at 196 centimetres. To, to go with being the best key defender in the competition, he might be the best uh, rebounding halfback flanker as well. We were talking about Samo still, Timo, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I know, we I, could segue I, into Weeders. Well, you said, segue we, you. said we don't have long kickers. <laughs> I'll put this to both of you guys. He's, we all ask for him to play midfield minutes. I personally see him as the opposite wing to Walsh. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. In the sense, like, people are like, oh, we want to see Sam Walsh more in the guts. The wing gets Sam close enough to the guts, and when he's in and around it, you are. You're a part of a midfield collective. I think Samo is the the complement to Sam Walsh on the other wing. So no, I agree. I agree with. Yeah, I think it's. You, and whilst Jack Nunes has brought a lot, a lot to uh, the side, and his finishing and his forward craft has been quite good, and he's obviously had a lot of moments, and he had a quarter today where he really did inject himself into the game. He did. I think Jack Nunes has kind of taken that position away from Samo, but not that. Samo's been put back because of Jack Nunes, but I'd rather see Samo being played there. And if that means Jack Nunes is the collateral damage, then so be it. Yeah, I think that's a long-term lens, isn't it? That's sort of looking at it going, you know, the old depth chart idea of whose development is and who's a priority. And no disrespect to individuals, Jack Nunes has been a really serviceable pickup for us this year. You, you look hmm. at the numbers dispassionately, you remove... Um, the Frio goal, and you sort of sit there and go, no, he's had a really good year. Like, he's been a mm, really good pickup for us. Mm. So, um, But the long term for us is absolutely Sam Petrevsky, seaton and even someone like a Lockie O'Brien, whoever it is, they're the long-term priorities. However, actually, I don't want to hijack the pod. Maybe this is a note I'll make myself to have a chat about later because this isn't a – this isn't a – it's, it's not a chicken shit or a chicken salad. I'll make a note. We'll come back to this one. We'll come back to this all if we have time. Um Weedering, Timbo, you you stepped at one toe in the waters there of Lake Weedering, and we're going to chuck our bathers on and dive in because this guy... The yellow again, ones? The yellow ones, <laughs> the bananas. Or well, they were electric blue, didn't you say? No, no, we were normally electric blue, and, uh, and, and for one national championship, we amalgamated with a team from Mornington, and we wore black and yellow tracksuits, but we raced in fluoro yellow speedos. So where were you... Where were you where, what was your swimming club? The Aqua Arena? We were, we were the Bulleen Aqua Stars. The Aqua Stars. Sean. The Aqua Stars. So what on earth compelled you to merge with uh, a team from Mornington, of all places? Uh, it was just, there was an alliance. We'd, we'd done a couple of camps that were run through um, with Debbie Flintoff King and her husband, Phil King. And Phil King was a swimming coach from Mornington as a I was going to say, why was out. Debbie Flintoff King involved in this? Yeah, so Phil King was a swimming coach. Debbie Flintoff King was running camps for uh, track and field athletes and they expanded it to swimming uh, swimmers as well. And uh, we did a lot of work with Bill Sweetnam, who used to be the head coach of Australian swimming and ended up over in Hong Kong. And what have I done? What have I done, well. Fabian? You asked, you asked. And so, yeah. You got any maple syrup, Sean? Slap on the waffles. Slap on the waffles. (laughs) Get me an ego. Um, 
Well, did you want to talk about Weedering Timber? Do we want to get back to him or <laughs> like no? Like he's just—he's a good player, I suppose. He's playing well. Now, before you jumped on, I laughed that there was a comment at the very beginning of the final quarter where I think um, Alistair Lynch made the comment when Sam Reid was in shot and said, if Sydney wants to win, they're going to want a contribution from this bloke. And you've just gone, mate, he's standing next to Jacob Wiedering. He ain't touching the footy. <laughs> and uh, and and no true, no true a word was said. And uh, he, he was... He's been exceptional all year, but for a bloke that was carrying a calf injury late in the game against, was it Collingwood or GWS where he, he was a bit hobbled? I think it was actually more Collingwood, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think it was. Um, so he probably wasn't as injured as he might have been, but he he just, he, he was a class above him tonight, I, I, I thought. So, and he's... Uh, he's just he gets better and it's it's actually becoming scary how good he is now but he just keeps improving as well so he's just just a joy to watch at the moment so well Fabian Timbo and I are waiting in the waters of Lake Weedering do you want to join us um, I'm already in the middle of the lake mate I'm on one of those inflatable bananas um, it's like a flamingo <laughs> and, I thought you were um, going to say you're in one of those paddle boat things <laughs> just <laughs> kicking uh, around he's he's just He's got the confidence now. He's got the confidence that complements his natural ability. He's just—he's a man. That, that kick, that kick he had in the in the third quarter, where he had the—I think the uh, Simo was on for a, an easy out option handball, but he just got it. He gathered in his little snap over the shoulder to whoever it was in the wing. I was like, he's not phased. No, he's not. He's not anything. And and the goal where we copped, where it was kind of left one out. It was probably the last goal the Sydney bloody kicked. Um, it was in the second quarter where he, he kind of then... He dived at the feet. Dive, he dived for yeah. uh, When I saw him, I thought, he's going to dive. He's going to smother this. I was actually just waiting for a smother. And I thought, he, he is... I'm not going to use the word complete footballer because he does have improvement in him, but he's he's getting there. He's, he's phenomenal. There's little phenomenal things, footballer. There's little things... 22 like- years old. You know, very, very few players are obviously the complete package, no matter how good they are. And, and you look at a guy like Samo, like there was a bit of chatter on Twitter about the Swans in transition, and you go, well, we all know that Samo's not quick. Everyone knows that Samo's not quick. But when he gets the ball, he thinks quick, and he uses the ball well, so therefore you don't have to be quick by foot. And the same thing yeah. for Weeders. You go, early on in his career, teams tried to, to get Weeders on the lead. You know, memory against uh, the Saints, they did it a few times. They try to get guys out on the lead in front of him. Teams do it with Plowman all the time. They try to take him to the goal square against a, an agile small. Um, you know, Collingwood did it with, with a guy like Stevenson. Um, so we all know that every player's got these little little chinks here and there, but Weedering is now smart enough and playing a smart enough brand of football to almost completely negate those. He's absolutely superb. He's having a brilliant, brilliant year. Um, someone who does deserve special commendation based on tonight's performance, uh, Lockie Plowman. Yeah, he, he, he played on Tom Papley on a night that was made for Tom Papley, especially once the Swans got rolling. It was a night made for this guy that we speak about margin for error. When our margin for error became so small, a guy like Papley only needs to touch the ball a couple of times to put the game to bed. He had that one flying shot, but apart from that, I thought Plow was absolutely outstanding, Timbo. Look, couldn't agree more. I mean, Papley plays such a, a fast, ballistic game, and you can see when he really seeks to impose himself on the game, you, you sit there and you're going, this guy's hard to stop. 
But Plowman obviously just sort of works the angles. He's persistent. He he just seeks to never get himself out of position, and he um, he he just accounted for him really well. And 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 he made him he made him play a very honest you know brand of football. And uh, and not to say Tom Papley cheats at all. I think he's just an opportunist. I and and what he does, he does very very well. Um, but Plowman just uh, just managed to negate him throughout the game, and I think the longer the game went, he became more of an outlet and a more more of an attacker. And I think we had a couple of forays along that outer wing late in the game, um, and, and I think he had a very very uh, you know big influence in in our ability to be able to score late in the game. When I gave him votes in the Essendon game, and was <laughs> castigated. <laughs> I did warn um, you, it, and I can. I and I came on pod and I said it was his positioning when we had repeat inside fifty entries, although we didn't capitalise against the Bombers. It was Plough. Plough was in that position; they could have moved past him. And in that last quarter, his positioning, his play was more about negating Tom Papley. He was a wall on that outer wing in that last quarter. There was no outlet for Sydney. He was perfectly positioned. So he did it. Not only did he do his role on Papley, but offensively, as you were saying, Timbo, he was he was flawless. And a, and a nice little couple of sidesteps too, and a you know a few stiff arms here and there. I like it. Yep. Well, Fabian, like we, we're gonna. This is our first one of the night. I'm proud. I'm proud to be the one to do it. We're gonna have our first soccer metaphor for the night. Oh, here we go. You know, at the back, you got over the defense. As long as you do not mention. Arsenal. That bloody, <laughs> that bloody camouflage, whatever it's oh called. Oh, my God. That Manchester United kid, what a piece of chicken shit that is. Have you, <sighs> seen, it? Have you seen it, Timbo? The shirt's bad. No, the, the shirt, no, it's, no, like no. A, it's like a convoluted zebra crossing. The shirt is bad enough, but the shorts and the socks are the same. It, oh, looks, like, it looks like pyjamas. People will lose their jobs because of that kit. Like, they I, will. People are online going, I know we're digressing, but Timbo, if you see it... You think it's even, a hoax? I can't. I'm just waiting for Ash to, to pick it up. He'll he'll, he'll be tweeting. Left, you're right, you're looking at your watch, going, "Is it April 1st? What's going on here?" It's like if, if we wore black shorts and black socks, you'd go, "Yeah, yeah. I." I you'd go. It's to, a quirky to, to shirt. It. It's a quirky shirt. If it's just the shirt, you know, it's a bit quirky, a bit different. The whole kit. It's it's it makes our grey shorts from a th- about three years ago. Look like a great idea. It makes it look oh, like an Armani you, suit. You've, you've made my night. <laughs> Absolutely appalling. But the point I was going to make is, and the point you make about Plough, is that whether it be a central defensive midfielder or a really good centre-back playing a kind of a high line, what you rely on a world-class, a Makalele type, is to not necessarily touch the ball, but to control and command the space and to yep. just be, be the roadblock, be the guy that you look up, I can't go that way. And what yep. Plough did tonight was excellent in that regard, just to be like it doesn't need, he doesn't need to touch the ball twenty five times, but to be the guy that you look up and go, oh yeah, we've got to turn back here. No, he's mm. in the right spot. Oh, that's a that's a mm. contest. I don't um, want my defenders touching the ball twenty five times. No, no, that's it. <laughs> and that's what when we play well as a defence, we control the space really well. And something we're going to touch on with structure in the first half that we did not do at all. Let alone well, um, and, and and I hope I hope too. You know, if we can get to the stage that we have Plowman on one side of the ground and we have Marchbank on the other, who's going to be equally a handful for the opposition is going to be a nice problem to have if we can get them all on the field at the same time. Absolutely agree. Um, the big, big, big positive, the big plus. You know, we had a lot of guys put in some great performances. Um, you know, after we got that run on, um, but I think 
from where this guy is and where we hope that he will eventually go, Timbo, TDK, in the last quarter, um, there, was, there was enough about that performance that people start going, oh, wow, who's this kid? And sometimes it just takes them his name being mentioned a few times for, for whether it be commentators, you know, who think that Tommy Alvin wore number 44. Um, <laughs> Wasn't that ridiculous? I think house, Navy Blue households around Australia went 31 dipshits. Yeah, well, and at least they turned around and say, if it's if you're saying it's it's definitely not Tommy Elvin because 44 was Justin Madden. He only played 300-something games in the number. You know, I think what he's happened... Easily forgotten. Digressing again, I think what happened was it was Williamson and Owies in the shot. So I think that Jonathan Brown got a bit discombobulated. His wires got crossed. He has been hit in the head a lot. He has had a lot of concussions. <laughs> um, I reckon by the end he also had no idea who the Greek freak was as well. Yeah, all true. he was doing. That he called true. was he said Jimmy the Greek, Jimmy the Greek early, and then he and then he changed it to at least the Greek freak, and still had no idea what it was. I so, think that's so the pro- he, that's the producer in his ear going, Giannis, Giannis, basketball, yeah. Bucks, big guy, yeah. big, good player, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> uh, I just, think, TDK. I, I just yeah. think that with TDK, what we saw from him, Timbo, was, was really positive. It was just it was his touches, his flourishes, his his movement. It was fantastic. Well, it's it's more than a glimpse now, isn't it? And, and I think that's the most exciting thing is is we've seen him go up against good ruckman where he's had to use his leap and to be able to compete in the air. And we've all gone, yep, okay, tick. Um, we've seen him gather the ball in space and being able to swing very, very comfortably onto that left foot and 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 put it to the right spot and be really attacking and and, and asking the question of defences. And you've gone, okay, you, you're not just a a, a tree trunk uh, ruckman that plays a kick behind the play and doesn't influence the game. Um, on a wet night when the ball was on the ground, he's able to pick it up, be clean, give it off. He can run and he can gather and link up. Um, it, 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 he really, he's, and, and he, I think he laid tackles as well. It, it's he's a competitive footballer, um, and he's got, geez, he's got, he just moves well. Um, and 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 I reckon early, what well, two thousand and twenty now at the very beginning of two thousand and nineteen, people were raving about the preseason that he'd done, and then he got injured in that first game at Punt Road in the reserves game, um, and it really put paid to his year last year. Um, so we might have been, we might have ended up seeing what we're seeing now, twelve and eighteen months earlier, if he if he'd never had the injury. But you look at his size and his frame; he, he's just going to bolt on such size to that to that body at the moment. He's he, he's still such a work in progress. But everything that you look at, you you just go, just give me more. I think what was really pleasing, um, especially given the conditions, was his hands. Below, yes. below his knees in really crucial moments to keep us moving forward was absolutely brilliant. Um, he, he took one very strong mark in the yes, air, yes. O- also on that outer side of the ground as well. And it was just on a night where people were going to ground, they were you know not being able to one grab the football, and, and you, just, you just looked at it and you're gone. There's there's your touch of class. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks, by the way, for helping me as I was uh, floundering in Lake Wittering looking for who the fuck were we talking about? I'm on the banana float and I'm rolling around going, what fucking play were we talking about? I got it. Literally the split second you said to Conning and you pulled me out. Um, Fab, I think it was really, really good as well to see, you know, Cripper just get a little bit more touch. He didn't have an exceptional night by any means, but, you know, he wasn't vintage Patrick Cripps, but by the same token... 
all that positive energy that we spoke about against um, West Coast, which was channeled in the wrong. Sorry, Hawthorne, I think it was, which was channeled in the wrong way when he was trying to influence and stamp himself on the game, and it just didn't go his way, and he just couldn't influence. He couldn't affect the contest. He that was all sort of going his way tonight. He was really um, a force for good, I suppose. In, in yeah. once we got ourselves moving, he wasn't vintage Cripper, but yeah, he, he was. He was injecting himself with with reasons. You know what I mean? It wasn't that overzealousness. He, he played his role, and when Cripper plays, when you're that good and you play a role, you do, and you contribute, it helps. It helps, and it's, it's it, there wasn't any of that frustration. You know that he's been doing it for months. He's been so frustrated that he he's been given away free kicks left, right, and center. Yep. Didn't do that tonight, except for the one that nearly bloody costs the game. Which fuck me, how that gets called? Timbo, well, Timbo well, was you know Timbo was like Timbo was like an Indian spinner on a fifth day uh, turner over in Pune, <laughs> just appealing for everything in the last quarter. The techs were running hot. <laughs> the, the ball was being like padded away outside. Like you're going, <laughs> you're losing the plot, Timbo. But but it was it, it, it illustrated at least the point that. They were probably all half free kicks, but the umpire had, had essentially made a decision. The whistle's mm-hmm. kind of going away. We're not going to be uh, paying any cheap ones. You know, there was one tackle by Mackay that he nailed one of the, the Sydney defenders, ball spilt free, and he thought that's an easy hole in the ball that wasn't paid. When Sam Doherty nailed um, Nick Blakey when he'd gone back, it uh, had gotten out of the back and he nailed him, he'd probably taken two steps, but... I've always been a big believer that you reward the tackle. And to me, that's just a free kick. And not one person in the world would have complained if you'd paid that hole in the ball. But they balled that up. And so you sit there and you're going, okay, well, you're not paying any free kicks and you live with it. And then you see the recidivist garden gnome that is Rui Taylor. Fab, who then goes, fab. Thro- th- throws his... Uh, we're not allowed to. What, would, allowed to. what would friend of the pod, uh, Pete Molinas, have said about Louis's effort? You took his head off. Oh, he took his head off. <laughs> Pete, Pete, Pete does love he still does love Louis Taylor but with 30 seconds to go in a game when there's a goal the difference that free kick doesn't get paid well, it, it wasn't a free kick in the first instance but a, a, a professional umpire cannot get sucked into that bullshit but he Espe- especially when it's a player that has form Agreed. The, the coconut the coconut was almost getting picked right off the tree the pineapple the pineapple the pineapple Fucking! <laughs> you've lost. Uh, the, you've lost the point. <laughs> I was thinking they go. I was thinking they go. Did you do do a? Did you do a two handed with Timbo last week? And I missed something. On on Cripper though, oh, it'd be interesting to see how many midfield minutes he played, or or if it was reduced, because I just think he had a little bit more energy around the contests when he was there. He didn't look. It, 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 like I said, he's he's obviously not a hundred percent, but. He looked better. He's a warrior, and, and he, he might just be More coming energized. out the other side. He, he might be just coming out the other side of, of whatever it is that he's been dealing with. But he, he a pre-finals spent, training block. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> he, he he spent more time forward though today, and, and and I think that was obvious. And he had his influence, and you know he kicked a nice goal that, as you said, Sean, may not be the highest percentage play, but. Realistically, his, for him, it's probably better. I was going to say his set shots just haven't been working. So trying to shape the ball around and do that, it's probably something he does have more control over. And if it gets him up and about and gets teammates up and about, well, there's nothing more effective, is there? Not at all. Uh, 
And then lastly, uh, I thought Harry Mackay. You know, we, we 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 see so much we like in Harry, and he hearts in mouths a lot of the time when he's swinging around on that left from more or less directly in front these days. But whatever works, works, and we'll support him to the hilt as long as he's putting him through the big sticks. But another really positive performance from Harry, you know, especially in trying conditions, slippery ball, um, uh, forward entries weren't that great. I thought he competed, you know, really well for the most part and, and bobbed up at crucial times to kick big goals and by no means an outstanding performance, but... We're asking this kid to. Solid. We're asking this kid to, to pretty much battle, you know, one out really to lead our forward line mm. when he's he's not ready to do that, um, and at the same time, he's giving a good effort to do it, Timbo. And I think that's worth uh, worth a pat on the back at least to say, well done. You know, you, you're really holding it up under uh, trying circumstances. You've been without Charlie all year. You've been without Mitch for most of the year. You're out without Mitch tonight as well. Um, yes, we won't. I'll use, put a touch on Mitch after. We won't use. We won't use the word that got us in trouble last time, but it was very apt. Um, Is he the Bruce Banner of our team, Mitch McGovern? Is he? What? If he turns he's green, you won't like him. He's just placid and in the corner type of thing. But he just needs to just get fucking angry and kill someone. And it was a couple of like he started to brew in the third quarter. He started he did. to brew. One of them, someone said he didn't lay a tackle. What's that got to do with the price of fish, mate? People, we, is we, that not we spoke the about, No, we spoke about the idea, you know, once again, talking about soccer, when we were speaking about English misunderstanding what wins games of football, oh, it's effort. Oh, it's just effort, raw effort, running lots and tackling. Putting in a shift. Putting, putting in, in a, a shift. shift. Oh, he really grafted hard. All that crap. You got no class, skill, poise. You know, tackling is important, clearly. You know, you, you, you lay a big tackle, you might kick a goal or save a goal. Great example, Sam Doherty running back, you know, outstanding on Blakey. Saved a goal, potentially the match. Phenomenal. But as a metric to say that's how or why you did or didn't play well, it is silly. It is misleading. No, no. and But but in that sort of role too, when, you, when you're playing medium-sized forward in the same way that Jack Silvani would be as well, one of the expectations is that's a big part of your role and uh, and... And, and as you say, you're going to have you're going to have days where um, you're going to find the footy a lot. You're going to be kicking it well, whether it be inside fifty, around the ground, shots on goal, whatever. Um, there, equally, there's going to be some skills that are, are going to be a bit off. Well, there was a lot that was off about Mitch tonight. And if the only thing that you can control and the only thing you can be doing is laying tackles, at least make sure you're doing that too. So, and uh, do we look for him enough? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's we don't look for him enough. I don't know if he's fit enough to be able to continue to give the repeat efforts to be able to um, demand the footy, um, whether his patterns are just a bit off, whether he's not waxing well with his other forward line you know, um, teammates as well. I'm not quite sure. But it's um, it's he's not at his effective best. And, and, and we've all seen we, – we, we've seen a lot of Mitch not quite on – for a variety of different reasons, but equally, um, when he nails it and he's at his uh, effective, potent best, he's a very, very scary footballer, and that, that's who we need to be persisting with. I, I think he's come to the club on very good coin. Is he out of contract at the end of this season? I have a feeling that he might be. Who's that? Um, 
McGovern. He signed at least a three-year deal, so he'd have yeah, at okay. least so one. So he more. might have one to go. Okay. Well, it, certainly, if he stays at the club longer term, and I would imagine that he would, he's certainly not going to be commanding the dollars that he's currently on. And so when he comes back to a more manageable wage, uh, not not to say we wouldn't demand any less, but at least his outputs would probably be more commensurate with what he's on with the with the room to, to improve and be the seven eight hundred thousand dollar player or whatever the bullshit numbers that the the media want to want to attach to his um his his, his record. He at may the be the cream, Timbo. Agreed, agreed. He he is the sort of bloke. He's the sort of bloke that if we played in a grand final, could kick four and win a Norse medal. That that's yeah. his style of football. Well, I think too on on Mitch. Obviously, with the injuries notwithstanding, disruptions to his program and his development with the club notwithstanding, I think um, he was recruited to be a third forward. Yep. And mm. at the moment, we haven't really seen him as that. He had his back injury in the early part of last year, which really curtailed his influence in his first season with us this season. Self-inflicted. Self-inflicted, of course. Went for a ludicrous fly in a practice went, match. He went for mark of the century in a, it was a tra- wasn't, it, wasn't it a training session? Yeah, it, was. it wasn't even a practice game. Um Got to love the endeavour, though. But I think uh, <laughs> trade is your play, Mitch, until you can't play at all. It was think... uh, it was just, it was Deluca like <laughs> Fabian or uh, Adrian or what the fuck was his name? Josh. Josh. Um, what was I saying about Mitch? Uh, and obviously Charlie's not out there this year at all. You know, he's had his own injury setbacks as well. So whilst we have um, given up a bit to get him at the moment, once again with a medium to long term lens, he will be better than he has been. And if he's not, like Tim said, the wage goes down, he either moves on or we get better deal. Yeah. Um, and it's not the end of the world. We didn't give up a, a massive amount to get him <laughs> relative to the risk of getting him. Um, but clearly we need to see an improvement from him. Um, the other the other one on this, we're sort of segued into the chicken shits a little bit. Um, Levi's in a really weird rut. He's in a really weird vein of form at the he's moment. Cooked. Um, I think he's physically cooked. Do you mean it, it, this year or... Yeah, I just think I think for he's the, tired. He just, for the he just year looks or? tired. Levi, look, Levi's got shortcomings and he's masked a lot of them and improved in a lot of areas. But Levi, one thing is effort, endurance, and hands. He's had none of that in the last month. That absolutely none of that. Am I am I right or am I wrong to wrong. say what? Where wasn't he given a bit of? time off in and around Christmas and he went overseas and went to a funeral, not a funeral, a wedding or something like that, uh, and he was away from the club for quite a significant period of time. I reckon you may be reaching, Tim, but he started the season <laughs> off really well. No, no, I, I, I reckon across no, Christmas... I, 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 like, I like what you're no, I, think, I, I do think that he spent a bit of time... And, and I reckon he got interviewed and he was sort of saying it was the good that the club allowed me to do it, it freshened me up and all this sort of stuff. I just think maybe if that's been your preparation and then you have a season that's been as disjointed as it is and you can't do enough of the training along the way, then if, if you've sort of started just a little bit off the eight, you know, behind the eight ball as the season progresses, that's probably going to find you out. Um, so you're saying from, from, a, from a fitness point of view? Well, whether it's fitness or he's just not just not at the peak of his powers. But, how, do you but account, how do you account for his outrageously good to start to the year? Yeah, that's, that's it, what I'm saying. That's, it was fresh. <laughs> that's what I, I can I can accept. I can accept your I can accept your point with your because of that he hasn't had the fullest of pre-season and given everything's been disjointed. The back end is 
was going to catch up with him because it looks like it has. Yeah, it's just an observation. I'm not, you know. Because um, he had a ripping start to the year. Look, he did. I'd probably actually forget that a little bit, to be honest. So You, you wouldn't have given him votes because, you know, he's, he's had more than four kicks. But, um, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> so just in terms of the chicken shits, we sort of touched on them a little bit at the start of the program. Just structurally, there's some issues that we clearly need to address. Um, once we shut the back door in the second half, we were a lot better. But when we speak about trends and, and with regard to our coaching group being aware of and then accountable for trends, something we need to be accountable and aware of is why we can't defend the corridor. Why, Fabian? Why do we let teams attack into 100 metres of open field? It puts an enormous amount of pressure on our defensive unit. It creates massive stakes on every defensive contest. We leave we leave a paddock between the last man and the goal far too often. And Credit to the Swans, they exploited that absolutely ruthlessly. Yep. I don't know if it's in-game transitions. Obviously, the opposition are going to try and do things to... People aren't just going to let you set up and do what you want. Um, but is it... Our in-game adjustments just aren't there. Now, I don't know if the coaching staff don't equip us with the tools to be able to implement those changes on the fly or, and this is what I think it's more of, or it's a combination of, is that our on-field leadership doesn't identify it and there's no one, there's no on-field coach. There's no on-field coach whatsoever. No. And I love Sam Doherty, but he is not, he, I don't see him organising a backline or organising what's in front of him and saying, guys, this is fucking open. Close it up. Yeah, the quarter well, time see, breaks. It seems see, see more similar. As, as a master tactician, identifying where, what, and how out on the field. Kate Simpson's definitely not it. Mark Murphy's definitely not. Who is it? We don't have it. And, the, that, and, and, and that's the. I, I completely agree. And, and once again, we speak about it all the time. You, you, you know. Once we've gotten rolling on these soccer talks, we've really lent into them and we're really, really going <laughs> helpful leather with them. Took us a while to find one, but now we've got a couple. Welcome to BBC Five Live Football Daily Podcast. London buses fab. We've struggled to find one for a while. Now they're coming like you wouldn't believe. Um, when you're when you're like this, you know, Damien Hardwick made the point when they played the Swans. You know how the Swans are going to play. They want to play a counter attack. They want to play into open field. And they want to run toward goal. So you you shouldn't be surprised when that happens. And when it happened tonight, it happened again and again and again and again. And it took us seven goals to wake up to it. And what frustrates me about watching that is bring their defence out a little bit. Go back. Go back 40 metres. You see in soccer, if we're playing against a team that's defending on the edge of their box, you draw them out. Hmm. You don't just let them sit on the edge of their box. You draw them out. You take the ball back into your own half. You C-shape it. You switch it. You move it around. You try to create space so they don't just get to compress and compact in their defensive 50, which is what they want to do. Dimmer, you know, 75,000 men. We're kicking into 75,000 men. That's what we were doing. And you're sitting there going, why are we surprised about this? Why are we letting them do it? You know, that's what the frustrating thing for me was, Timbo. I mean, you you are above... Especially that it's early. Absolutely. Like if, if, if time is on time's on your side, you, there's no rush. There's no need to try and rush. You've got the ball. Possess it. Move them around. Yeah. Move them around. Take your time. I understand it's wet. You don't want to take unnecessarily risks chipping around, but you've got to take your time, especially when time is on your side. We're not behind. It's the start of the game. 
No, well, we did. We did more of it later. You know, l- later on in the game, we were we were more prepared to be able to move it around and go for some of the extravagant um, switches. And and as you're sort of saying, you know, why why are you prepared to do that when the game's on the line and there's not much difference between yourself and the opposition? And yet, it, you know, early in the game when you can just be a bit more measured, you don't. So, well, you, you are. I, I said this. I said this. Had a, having a chat to Pete during the week. Shout out. Shout out to the great man. Um, this is this might be, and I know the modern footy, you know, you know, a lot of people, speak, we, we talk about how, you know, the old principles of footy or the, the old way football used to be played. And modern football sometimes, while it's evolved, but some, there's, there's elements that we just, we just need sometimes to take. Now, you go back six, seven years ago, you had a Zach Tui. When in doubt, if everyone's going to be that fucking far into our forward 50, excuse me, sorry, but French, I'm a little bit fired up, but who's that outlet kick that we can just handball to someone at 55 and just have a pot shot? Tom Williamson or Jack Nunes. Tom Williamson has a 45-meter kick on him, Timber. It's a misconception that this kid's going to rake the kick. <laughs> I disagree. Right? Michael, Michael, are you, are you Michael, saying Michael that he... Are you saying... I'm telling you, we don't have a kick Fab, in our side. Are you saying that Tom Williamson is a latter-day Chris Bryan? <laughs> Where there was this misconception that Chris Bryan just used to kick the ball really high. He didn't necessarily kick <laughs> Look, it far. Tom Williamson is as tall, uh, sorry, has as, a longer kick as um, old mate Watson was tall. What was his name? Matthew Watson. Matthew Watson, whose head made him stand six foot six, but his shoulders are about four foot nine. He did have a, a head like the moon. So it's just, it's a misconception. I think he's got one of those typical left footed kicks where he you know he doesn't put a lot of air into it a lot of height into it but I, I don't think he's got that raking kick that you think he's got Timbo didn't didn't we say when we were drinking $700 Canadian clubs in the Carlton Collingwood uh, practice match didn't he bang one from about 60 on the run that was running through the middle of the field absolutely launch one like a laser that went through from about 60 out I can't remember don't remember Convenient. I played the it could have been a camper. It could have been a campo style sixty, where it goes thirty and dribbles the other thirty. <laughs> campo used to love an open. Campo loved an open goal. He did kick him straight, didn't he? Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, and then lastly, we've spoken a bit about defending the open field, attacking. We've got to be so much smarter. We're just kicking to packs, markers up. We have the inside fifties. We can create. Today's a bit of a misnomer because, like we said, the Swans like to defend with numbers and pack their D50, but just kicking mindlessly into packs as we've been doing over the last three or four weeks is not going to cut it at AFL level, generally speaking, and certainly not at the level we want to get to. So how much of that, Timbo, do you think is a necessity based on the fact that we are playing a little bit shorthanded in, in a sense where you look at we don't have quite the forward mix we would like to have, but at the same time, we've got to have a bit more finesse than we've been showing. But I think, as you say, when we have the full complement of forwards in our forward line, we still don't want to be kicking that way anyway. It, it, it still has to be. Um, it still has to be um, the smarter movement of the football and, and you know understanding when you do bang it long or you look for the shorter option. And exactly as Fab sort of said, you, or, or you said, Sean, you know, just trying to draw the defence out a little bit, you know, create space for yourself and be, be smarter and, and find, you know, options, whether it be sort of, you know, 
fat side or whatever. So as I was losing my mind earlier, I, I actually said we should kick the ball inside 50 and dribble it along the ground. Because yeah, was that a, this, uh, well, that was a Ken Hinckley playbook uh, well, fab yeah, and pa- Timbo's power. Kicking it long and high was not going to work for us. So if you just get, if you kicked a tumbling punt inside fifty when things weren't working, like what is the worst thing that could? I mean, I know the worst thing that could be happening is they just gather the ball and they run it coast to coast <laughs> and kick an eighth goal. But um, but at that stage, you're going. What we're trying is not working. Um, is there another way of going about this? Because again, what what. What was becoming an issue for us is we were predictable. We, they knew what we were going to do. They knew how to defend it. And then they had an outlet that they could attack and hurt us. And, and keeping on doing exactly the same thing um, was, was never going to work out well for us. So, You might have noticed of late, Fab, this has become like uh, the, a seminar about Ken Hinckley's coaching. I reckon, Timbo's worked, I reckon Timbo's worked pats in the back for Kenny into the last three episodes we've done. I'm keeping a tab of them, Timbo. Still loves the power. He loves the power. Still loves the power. You left that grand final at three quarter time, Timbo. I did. I didn't love them too much. Um, well, that, that's you got to know when the whole left at three quarter time. I'm surprised he lasted that long. As an employee, yeah. they gave uh, you a yeah. free ticket, which could have gone to a fan. Far out, Timbo. And you just yeah, that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> That sort of wraps up the... They're 110 points down. (laughs) Well, at least we know who not to stand next to in the trenches, Fab, next time we're in there. Hey, Old Benedict Arnold Davis. Are we talking Matthew Cottrell, please? Uh, I mean, look, we can uh, quickly. I think we need to. We need to. You're leading this. I don't want to say something. I've already said one thing tonight that people have lost their minds about. I don't particularly want to lead with this. I reckon you're you're, you're going with where I'm going. Yeah, I'm worried about it. You can lead us off, Timbo. It's your segment. No, look, look, he's getting a go. He's (laughs) old, old, uh, old (laughs) tiptoe, tiptoe Timbo. He's that's as controversial as Tim's ever going to get. As they've said, he's he's obviously got great endurance. He runs very well. He's got speed. I reckon at times his positioning around the ground and his... He's his, patting him on the um, back, Fab. He's, no, no, no. I, I, he's look, lathering he's, him up. No, he's got he's got a lot of room for improvement. Okay. Um, but I think he's a good piece of plasticine to be working for. You cannot question the kids. Should I go um, to the text, effort. Fabian? Should I read out? <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Um, but, but credit where it's due. <laughs> he had the opportunity to make a play on the game, and uh, he had a crack, and and he's executed when it counted. And again, a long bomb inside fifty hadn't been working for a while. Um, Matt Cottrell is. Uh, no, actually, been, it, it was a difference. Reassessing I, the text thread, you actually didn't say anything too bad. Like it was, it was firm, but it wasn't bad enough to for me. To, was, it wasn't bad I, enough for me to hang you out to dry. I was losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will say it. The mark and the kick, he, he couldn't ask for anything better. He's gone up in the pack with a slippery wet ball. He's taken a great mark and he's gone back and kicked through it, kicked a beautiful goal. Yeah. Absolutely. Clutch. Celebration. We, we've spoken, yeah. you know, we've spoken at length in the, in the recent past, um, you know, following our recent losses about maturity and mentality and stepping mm-hmm. up to the plate and wanting the responsibility it's uh, the classic, uh, we'll go to another American sporting legend, Fab, uh, Vince Lombardi. Winners want the ball when the game's on the line. And Matty Cottrell went up, took a great mark, and he went, oh, fucking fantastic, well done. And then more importantly, went back and you know drilled a goal that yeah. not many Carlton fans would have necessarily had him down for. So 
Um, full credit to him. Outstanding. Um, full credit to him. And I'm going to say it, Sean, and I'm, I, people will come for me and I don't care. Oh, if it's the last contribution he has in a Navy Blue Goonsie, it'd be a great memory for him. It's not quite Jack fucking Nunes, but it's, you know, Matthew um, Bloody Cook. No, it's, I, look, I've, I don't – everything else from what I've seen of him in the two or three games that he's been given – I don't see that there's much in there yet. Your words, not mine. Come for Fabian. So, uh, Fabiano just, underscore G7 uh, look, is where to direct your buy. That kick, that kick doesn't make a performance. It was a phenomenal kick and it wins us the game and everything else. But It's a great I'm moment. Not, I'm not seeing something out of Matt Cottrell right now. And I, it, I, I think athletically there's enough there to go with. I, I've questioned at times the poise he shows – um, under pressure and when he's Always kicking out of defence. Always yeah. seems to be rushed. Yeah. 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 Uh, of course, as we all know, <clears throat> one of the greatest moments in Australian sporting history, Stephen Bradbury wasn't the most talented or best-performed man on that ice, mm. but it didn't matter because he crossed the line first and he got the gold. So uh, that's just how it goes sometimes, them's the breaks. I have introduced off the cuff. I said we'll come back to this. I'm, I'm going to go with it. I haven't made some notes because I literally thought about it as we were in the record. It was a stream of consciousness. Our big question of the week, this could be a rolling segment. My big question of the week, I thought about it during the week and I was going to put it out on Twitter um, and just get the temperature of the Carlton faithful. We'll do it here. Do you think... You're, you're a bit timid. No, no, no. Because The reason I didn't put it on Twitter was because <laughs> I, I actually wrote out the tweet and I was kind of struggling to word it. It's going to be easier to explain here and it would be on Twitter. On Twitter, I think it's it's a bit verbose. It's going to take a while. I, re- I reckon you're in for a huge Twitter week this probably, week. Probably, probably. They're probably coming from. We've already had one Twitter listener saying. And I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell you now. You know, I, I I stick up for you all the time. Are you in the trenches with me? Well, we all know where Timbo is. Timbo's not um, shoulder to shoulder. Week, I've I've I've, 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 I've <laughs> I left <laughs> ten minutes ago. <laughs> I think you're on your own. Oh. Well, we've already been told by one of our former listeners, Rich was his name, that he's never listening to us again because I dared to ask the question that is our coaching as good as it should be. He's, he's oh, one, one guy one guy on, on Twitter I've noticed. Oh, I'm not going to call him out because I can't find the tweet now, but he's asked for, for apologies from me and Tim as well. I never made any outrage. got him well and truly at arm's length. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit! There's a few that there's a few that come for me. There's a few that come for me. Ah, oh, let them come. Fuck them. There's the uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a couple. There's a couple. It's, we uh, actually had one I of said, one of our as listen- I said, as I said with other things that have gone on in the Twitter sphere this year, it's opinions and assholes, mate. It's just let people allow to. And it wasn't even really an opinion. You, you posed a question, but yeah, it was. A- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, but again, we've always but talked if, about even yeah, if it was even if it was your opinion, shit. But, but it's your fo- it's, it's your footy club, you know. You just you will That's not it. be it, it will not be questioned. It's you know it's, it's beyond reproach. You know, you, okay, you, you, okay. You, We're going to get now to the thank you for your timid, tepid defence of me, for, uh, Timbo. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I love the passion that people have, but as you say, you know you. Responses Look, aren't always Sean, as we all measured the in last the moment time. as they should be. Old each way Davis. I had to come to your rescue on Twitter. How, how insipid. Oh, that, my that God. Was. I'm still reeling from that. <laughs> Fab was in constant dialogue. He was a pillar of support. He was a rock. And then we had old Timbo Pebbles sitting, <laughs> sitting next to me. Anyway, the MGA traffic, big question of the week. We've got a sponsor as well in between... <laughs> 
in between, in between when I started started introducing the segment and now they've come on board. They say we've liked the sound of it. We've only heard 10 seconds of what the concept is. I want to bring back the quiz. Oh, fucking hell, the quiz. Shut I up. I actually maybe. listened to an old quiz the other day. It was, <laughs> it was good. Fucking shut up. Was that, was that, was that the, uh, the, the great yes. Lexi Pave? No. no. No, 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 no. That was the one that you won. I won this one. <laughs> Uh, All right, the big question. The the MGA, oh, Fel- Felice Cafusi. <laughs> ask the people if they want the quiz back. Oh, it's just, it's no, no, just no, a lot no, of fucking no, no. work. Um, is, yeah. The MGA traffic big question of the week <laughs> is, now bear with me whilst I get it out because, like I said, it's a stream of consciousness. Do you believe that at the moment the Carlton Football Club's selection policy is being guided by, not guided, but influenced, <laughs> leaned, lent on, by the commercial realities that the football industry finds itself in. So we are obviously a club coming from a long way back. We are a club that, relatively speaking, given given what we've we've achieved and served up in recent times, has an exceptional membership base. It is. It's truly exceptional where we've been to have the number of support commercially, corporate. We have no right to have the amount of members we exactly have. Exactly right. So with that comes pressures to maintain that level of support commercially, um, in terms of corporates, in terms of memberships and the like, uh, merchandise, events, everything. With the hit that COVID has created in the industry, do you think that there are some commercial realities that are leaning on our selection? We would love to see Liam, um, Liam Stocker, obviously, when he's up there. We would love to see Liam Stocker getting games, Lockie O'Brien, Paddy Dow, the list goes on. But the commercial realities are we need to be competitive. We need to be in games. We need to be winning games because in this of all years to take the hit that every club has taken financially to survive is one thing but to come back next year and be able to attract the members the sponsors the event sales blah 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 blah, we actually need to be in games Kane Little said to Brendan Bolton famously the wins are starting to matter the wins and losses are starting to matter when he pulled the trigger you know a couple weeks later admittedly we were four from 44 but <laughs> so I think the wins and losses started to matter a long time before he told him. But I just get a bit of a sense, and I wonder. I put it out to you, and I put it out to the listeners. We have all been clamouring for kids to be injected in the team, particularly after the disappointments of the last two weeks. Is there a commercial aspect to? Okay, well, look, we'd love to play Lockie O'Brien, but Jack Noons is a bigger body. He's more solid over the ball got more runs on the board, etc. We would love to have seen Tom DeConning a little bit earlier. He's in the team now, but Mark Pitnett's bigger body, a lot stronger, etc., etc. The examples, we would love to see um, whoever might be playing in defence, they go, no, Kate Simpson's more experienced. He's got the runs on the board. You know, reason Ed's on the ball, Murph's on the ball, etc., etc. I think I think we have prioritised wins. From a commercial point of view, I'm not 100% sure that that's the driving factor as opposed to moving the culture of the football club along to a point where we have to start to demand performances and wins. And I'm not saying, I just want to be clear. And and not, not continue to sacrifice that for development. So... I just want to be clear. Think, I'm not I, I saying do, I do that think, I, do I agree or disagree. I'm not saying I, I think it's a bad no, no, thing or I, whatever. I, just a I, question. Do, I do think our, our selections... Our selections aren't, aren't necessarily 
with we're not, we're not development risky. with development at the forefront. At, with development at the forefront, it's more it's more about the wins and losses, whether it be for commercial reasons or or otherwise. Yeah, because we are a fickle fan base. I mean, there was a tweet sent out. At- during the second quarter, calling for the coach's head. <laughs> during the second quarter, so I mean that just shows how fickle the fan base is, Timbo. But um, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not. I'm not saying I agree with it. I disagree with it. I think it's true or not. It's just a thought I had during the week that you know we, we all want to see the kids. We all want to see certain kids. Um, just not your own. Just not. Yeah, or, you know, that'd be a shock to me. Um, and, and Sean, for what it's worth, I. I think it's definitely a thing. There is always a balance at, at match committee that says 22 players are going to run out in the ground. Do the 22 need to be the 22 most competitive players that give ourselves the best chance of getting four points? Or is there a balance struck whereby you sacrifice two of your better, not your better players, but your better chances of winning to be able to get games into two players in a week. And 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 whoever that is, whether it's Sam Philp, it's Liam Stocker, it's Paddy Dow, it's Lockie O'Brien, it's Tom DeConning. Whatever the case whatever the case may be, you cannot you cannot be that stagnant. You will always need to put some kids in. I think tonight tonight we rested Pitnet. Um, I think the fact that we we're going up against Alir Alir and Callum Sinclair, we could probably take a little bit of risk on who we were up against. And so we said, yeah, we were able to say Tom DeConning, you're our number one Ruckman. But given his performance, I mean, that's probably the, you know, the, the question then probably becomes when we play Richmond in round one next year, who's our first Ruck? Matthew right? Cruiser. Matthew Cruiser, if he's on the list and fit. Yeah. That's uh, it. it it's an interesting question. I agree. Well, that was the MGA traffic uh, big question of the week. Um, we'll see how that's received and whether it gets another run. Um, now to the mailbox. We'll get through some mailbox questions if I can find them. This is where you should have like a little bit of a sound grab, Sean, on this new fang-dangled bit of equipment you've got. A ding-ding. Ding, ding. A ding-ding. <laughs> we could do... Uh, you can go out and live record it during the day. Could be cool. I'll just get a sound off a, off a um, you know... Uh, uh, asset website. There'd be one on YouTube. Like, even we would have like, called the mailbox. I, I we thought we call it like panel, you know, with the new panel that the NRL whistle would have been a feature of our pod. Do I have the NRL panel? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to keep that on just in case the um, in case the waffle iron comes out, and we can <laughs> we can just push that when people have spoken for too long. Um, I forgot that was there. Uh, but Tim and I don't have access to a button when you waffle. It's true. That's one of the benefits of having the roadcaster, the podcaster. <laughs> owning, well. owning the gear. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the mailbox we'll kick off. Could we call it something else? I don't know. We, we could play Elvis, or Return to Sender. I don't know. Ooh, the King. Love the King. Mel, well, speaking of the King, we'll start with the King, Adam King. Uh, hi, boys. I want more venom from the cockroach. More fire and brimstone up the lads when they're just drifting like tonight. Am I wrong to expect some fighting words and spirit from the coach? We'll throw that to you, Fabian. Um, I've been calling for it for a while. We'll move on from that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I've been calling for it for a while. I think that you need, in this day and age, you can't go full Parker, but you are, also can't be everybody's mate. And not everything is a lesson to be taught with, you know, a calm and measured approach. It's kind of how I take parenting. I don't do the 2020 parenting either. I don't do the 
sit your kids down and just explain to them that they've done something wrong. Every now and then they need a rocket. Just to, just to let them what know. About, what about the time you invited me over? And I thought, yeah, like, because Kelly was out with the girl, girls and Fabio, do you want to come over and we'll watch? Something was on, I don't know what it was. And I was like, yeah, sure thing. I came around and basically I was like a proxy babysitter whilst Fabian put together some um, reindeer lights. It was at Christmas time. I put the uh, the reindeer on the front lawn. Yeah, and Fabian was getting agi- more and more agitated with Harvey probably more than Alexander. They were frustrating me that night. <laughs> No. I, I got over there and I was like, hey, I locked, kids, him, I locked him in the backyard with Uncle Sean and said, just go and he play did. some soccer. He did. And, and initially, like, we're sitting there and the Alexander kept eating chicken nuggets off the ground. And Fabian. Oh, oh, it was. It was. It was. It was a nightmare. You do, call, nightmare. you do call a spade a spade. When they step a toenail out of line, they're in no doubt as to your frame of mind. Yeah, I, I, you've just got to tell them. They're going and before, to know hold on, before, before people think, ring Child Protective Services, it's not. <laughs> it's he's not stepping over the line, but he's no. very firm. He's very, very firm. I'm on the line. Um, verbal. This is all verbal. You miss with 100% of the barbs you don't fire at your children. <laughs> and I'm not saying, I'm not advocating David Teague take the, the belt off and, and you know, <laughs> take to the place. Verbally, let them know. Verbally take the belt off. I think I think there has to, there's, there's times where it can be useful. I'm not saying, if you do it, if you go to the well all the time, it becomes, you know, the Bruce Reoch yelling at all the Arsenal players and then Arsene Wenger comes in and gives them the hug. Um, it's, it's, you need, you need that balance because then Arsene Wenger hugged everybody for 15 years and that did nothing for him in the end either. So it's, you need that balance. You need to give them the coaching and the, and the kind of the soft and gentle approach. But every now and then you just need to go. And I said it to you today, Timbo, the Justin Lepich, grab someone by the scruff of the neck and, the orange, the orange Ruffy. Um, we'll move on to question number two. This one's for you, Timbo. Justin, uh, where are you? Uh, Justin Savio. Thanks for the message, uh, Justin. Big question on Mitch McGovern. Surely drop for the Adelaide game, or can the coaches do an SBS trick to get him some confidence? Um, I think it's a, an interesting question to ask. I think I'm keen for your thoughts. I know my position on it, but um, where do you sit? Oh, look, I'm a... I'm a big believer in a couple of things. I'm a big believer in um, there are some players that you just have to persist with and give them time to be able to get touch because they're not going to get it anywhere in any way else. And and I'm prepared to persist with Mitch McGovern from that perspective. What I'm also a very big believer in is players get up when they play against former opposition teams. Um, and so I would like to see him out there against Adelaide. Short and sharp, Timbo. Love it. But he wasn't great tonight. No, he was not great tonight. He actually didn't even give me time to tee up a second question for Fab. Um, Chris Make Ma- one up off the cuff. Chris, uh, Chris Marantelli uh, gets in touch. Is it not counterintuitive to have three tall forwards when you play a game style where you press up the forward half of the ground, uh, creating mass congestion in your forward 50? It's a very pertinent question, Fab. I think we can play with it because I think they're all very different. Um, I just think the positioning of the small forwards at times didn't help either. So I think the collective structure was more of an issue as opposed to just having the three 
the three tools, but um, we just we just need to, we just need to do things a little bit different. We just we just I don't know maybe maybe we just need to pull one of or two of them out of that forward fifty when it gets to that congested thing. You know maybe Gov comes right out right out of there type of thing and you know and using his kicking skills can do something from the periphery rather than being all lodged deep inside forward 50 and typically all always going for the same ball. Oh, another short and yep. sharp one from Fab. Very good, very good. Um, I, was, I was anticipating the whistle. No, well, you, were, I was, you were getting plenty of time. Not Red Simons here. I'll give you time to get your, get your point across. Um, hold on, there was a good one. Where is it? I did see it. Uh, Scooter. Easy okay. What comes first, a coronavirus vaccine or the answer as to why we can't put forward a, a solid four-quarter effort, Timbo? You're the doctor here. Um, I'm, hear- I'm hearing very good things about University of Queensland and very good things about Oxford University. Why, so I'll Timbo, go for the- can I ask, why have we bought 85 million doses of a vaccine? Are we all going to get jabbed up three times? <laughs> across, <laughs> across the next three years, yes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> terribly uh, encouraging, isn't it, to hear about that? Do you have a flu shot every year? Never. Never had a single flu shot. Oh, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the flu. <laughs> no, fair enough. Fair how's, enough. Your super, how's your supercomputer going, Timbo? How's your model? Nah, it didn't do it. Didn't do it. Did you answer that question? I cut you off before you did, but... Uh... What was the question? No, no, you, yeah, you were saying. Oh, I was saying the vaccine comes first, but um. <laughs> but it is a per- it is a good question because you go. What we saw, we've seen it when we play close enough to four quarters, we win. Well, absolutely. I mean, all throughout the year, we've always had one, you know, really bad quarter, and uh, obviously, quarter early in the season, it was our first quarters were letting us down horribly, and we we seem to be able to correct that and then we get ourselves into a position come three-quarter time and then we'd, we'd give nothing. And, I mean, the first quarter was, again, we talked about it being bad, but we racked up another 20 inside 50s, which meant to that stage we'd had 62 inside 50s for one goal and the one goal was a cheap one that went out the back to uh, Mark Murphy who kicked one off the ground in the goal square against GWS and you sit there and you're going, I don't even know that you can count that one. So... We, we were in a bad patch. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But, um, uh, yeah, we, we, we fought our way clear. I mean, we still only kicked eight goals, which is nothing to get excited about as such. But, you know, hopefully there's something to be learnt about finding a way to win when you just got to do it. So, you know, if, if, if that's the only takeaway from tonight, you know, fighting your way back into a, into a game and then finding the goal when you need it, um, I guess we've got to take it. Uh, and then lastly, for the mailbox uh, fab, we've got uh, Jay Strang Sr. Uh, do we need to be trailing at three-quarter time to win a game? We're just joking, but it does appear that way. Do we lack the motivation and need to be underdogs? And it's, I think it's an interesting I, – I use the word philosophical a lot, but I think it's an interesting question because when we've had games on our racket the last two weeks, we've seemed tight. We've seemed burdened by finishing it off. And although we were only um, – was it a kick kick behind or kicking a bit behind? Um, at three-quarter time tonight, it wasn't an enormous margin. I think it was seven points, yeah. It, it does speak to being the one well, to the, go, the, we the don't have to... The option of defending, the option of defending it or, 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 or holding on to it isn't there. No. So, um, look, there could be 
something in it as to our maturity as a group um, that we are probably better off coming from a little bit behind or um, rather than trying to defend a lead. But I'm more if you ask, if you ask anyone, four, four anyone points of sound down. mind, yeah. if you ask anyone of sound mind, you'd rather be bloody in front of three-quarter time every Absolutely. week. Actually, I've got one more. Matty B, um, this is a couple of good points here. We'll have last uh, question. Um, I couldn't have been more angry and frustrated in that first half, but to come away with a win is incredible. And I think we all echo that. As you said, we joked off the top. We don't know what oh, to make of it. it. But you, you sit there and go, of course you want to win. A win is a win. It's always what you play for, always what you aim for. It doesn't mean that you can't be constructive in your conversation after the game. Um, he also then asked, Walsh and Weed is both monumental. Can Walsh make the All-Australian? I don't think he can make the team. I think the, he makes the 40. But the body of work he's putting together has to be discussed. It, 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 I, from what I'm seeing, the way he's, especially second half of the year, if he's not in the 40... Um, I think I think that's a bit unjust. I, I think I think his quality of football. I mean, re- realistically, and it'll, and it'll never work this way um, because there's obviously always a depth of contribution from the better better sides. But if you've got 16 teams in the competition, you should have 18 teams these days. Actually, you should have two players per club, almost. Um, you know, from each team in that 40. And, and if we've got two with Walsh and Wheatering, there are going to be other clubs that aren't going to put too many up. You know, Melbourne might put Max Gorn up. That'd be it. Um, you know, there, there'll be other clubs that there won't be much of a contribution either. I mean, you know, North, you know, off the top of my head, I couldn't imagine you'd get one. And Adelaide, you absolutely wouldn't get one. So, um, you know, you, and, and there'll be big numbers from other sides. But, yeah, I, I would look at it and go... If you're looking for depth of midfielders across the competition to get into that top 40, I reckon he's in there. Fabian? Agree. <laughs> I concur. Yeah. Um, excellent. Well, I think that just about wraps us up. <clears throat> Can we just ask the one question? Uh, Greg Williams' comment this morning on SEN oh, about Timbo. Timbo. <laughs> no, look, look, on Greg, we, we put out a tweet about it. Greg is entitled to his opinion. Yep, you you put it. He's a legend of the the game, not just a football club. Absolutely outstanding player. Um, when it comes to ability, uh, he's behind very few, if anyone, in the history of the game. Absolutely superb. Having said that, um, if there's one thing Greg Williams has got more than footballing ability, it's narcissism. Um, I don't believe his comments come from a place of wanting to help Paddy Dow. I think that. Uh, I just thought it showed a bit of a lack of emotional awareness, a, a lack of tact, um, and was a bit of a, a cheap shot at a kid who is clearly struggling with confidence, who is clearly weighed down um, by a lack of confidence. I just thought a guy with a bit more emotional awareness would have had the tact to look at the situation and go, what have I got to gain? What has the club got to gain? What has Paddy Dow got to gain? by me saying this, by having a whack at him. We've got nothing. No one can win out of this at all. The only winner is SEN, who get a website article, traffic through their Twitter, tweets and the like. So ultimately, as a legend of the club, if he's had a role, official or otherwise, surely a better way to have approached the question would have been just a straight bat at Paddy Dow's got a lot of ability. You know, I worked with him closely. Clearly at the moment, it looks like he's struggling for confidence, but um, you know, that's something that all players have to work through to find their feet. And, you know, with good coaching, and I'm sure Paddy will get there, he doesn't need to whack him. Yeah. 
And yeah. what you and get ultimately, right. the, the opportunity, sorry, Timbo, the opportunity for Greg Williams oh. is to actually say that kind of stuff. Not a problem in the world. Don't say it publicly. Yeah. It doesn't carry any more weight because you say it on the radio. Say it to him privately. Put, a, put an arm around him. You can still get the message across. Because for Paddy Dow, Greg Williams exists as a name and a reputation. Oh, yeah, his name's on the locker. I don't know if it is on the locker. I think it is. His name's, yeah, it his name's on the locker. Um, he's a great player. You know, he was wrapped up before Paddy Dow was born. Um, but yeah, I know the guy. Yeah, he's got a great reputation, blah, 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 blah. And this tenuous relationship he has with Greg Williams is now defined entirely by this legend of the club, former wearer of his number, a guy who could possibly be a mentor, you know, giving him a, a serve. And, and he has been a mentor. He was doing a lot of work one-on-one with both Paddy Cripps and Paddy Dow about this time last year. and you know, Only works know, with Paddy's. Well, evidently, evidently. Maybe it was from his uh, former working at McDonald's as a, uh, a young kid, Diesel. Who knows? <laughs> but, yeah, look, listen, I just thought a lot of people have that opinion of Paddy. Not a problem in the world. Everyone's entitled but to that but opinion. But how you get the best out of him. And I, I think, you know, we, we always saw, you know, the, the fact that um, a Corey McKernan responded better to the Wayne Britons of the world that were prepared to put their arm around him, as you alluded to, as opposed to the Dennis Pagan that would just be shouting at him. You know, he just didn't. He 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 would he would clam up in front of Dennis Pagan, where he would perform far far better. Um, you know, just just being looked after. So, and and that's not to say, you know, maybe Paddy Dow will be a you know a, a better footballer with someone screaming at him to be able to get more out of him. But but those that are closer to him and understand him and his personality will know better. It was an interesting point, um, but again. Um, He's not without talent, and, and I think that's the, that's the takeaway from, from the whole discussion. For I don't think the point, I think, to Sean's point, I don't think the point needs to be made yeah. on public radio. But I do hope that there's someone internal to... I don't think Paddy Dow is ever going to be the type to respond to Ridicule. that, that type yeah. of, of, you know, whacking. criticism or, yeah. or whacking. But I do hope there's someone in the club, and I hope the club are being quite frank and forthright with him to say, you will not have a football career very soon because it is going to pass you by. This thing that Paddy Dow has got all the time in the world, it's not. Paddy Cripps said it maybe the start of last season. It's up to you to, to, to decide when you want to be a good footballer. Yep. It's got nothing to do with your age. Now, I'm not saying that Paddy Dow is going to come out and be the best player at the club. No. But he may not even be on the list in a year and a half. And that's it's, he's got too much talent for that to happen. And something's got to give. And it has to come from within. And I think the message just has to be, Paddy, it's up to you whether you want a career. And the same yeah. with Lockie. It's well, up to you whether you want a career. I think the fact that they're two good mates is our biggest asset because, you know... Both not they, playing. They're both not playing. They've both battled, and I, and I think they would both be one another's confidant to say, what, what, what's going on? We've just wasted a year, and and then what are we going to do about it? And and hopefully the response is we're going to do a massive preparation for the preseason. So once preseason starts, we're absolutely flying and ready to go. It is at least what I hope. So I think it's we've just in closing. I mean, we've spoken about what we've lost this season with regard to the COVID situation and the second tier and all that kind of stuff. 
players like Paddy Dow, Lockie O'Brien, Liam Stocker, Tom DeConning to his credits coming to the senior team, etc. Even someone like, I'll use an example of Ben Silvani. So in December of last year, Ben Silvani is or is, is aware enough to go, geez, this was a big year for me. Make or break year for me on an AFL list. Not, you know, Paddy Dow and Lockie O'Brien aren't in the same boat just in terms of, of how massive this year was for them, but it was important. But he would have sat there and thought, worst case scenario, I'm going to play every week in the twos. I'm going to play, you know, they're going to give me a role down back, wherever it is, and I'm going to get it every game to ply my trade, to develop, to push for another contract, to push for a senior berth, et cetera, et cetera. That opportunity has been taken away entirely. So even if Paddy Dow's out of form, even if Lockie O'Brien's out of form, et cetera, worst case for them is they would have been playing in a good quality system at a good quality level of football in games of football that matter, et cetera. It's and potentially dominating. And potentially, potentially dominating. doing and Potentially doing a Nick Graham. Yeah. And getting... And absolutely tearing it up, and that and at is, least put yourself in the in the mix. But. And that has been completely taken away from them by the circumstances everyone finds them in. And I think that when we're when we're discussing players and their form and their development, particularly this year, there needs to be an awareness and an acknowledgement that it's not a year like others. And and that's why you know people have come for me with regard to the coaching comment. And I fully understand and appreciate there are there are um, elements out of everyone's control in that sphere. And the same for the players, and Paddy Dow's central to that. You go, you would have been playing on ball in the second best competition in Australia. Instead, you're playing scratch matches, 13 on 13, on the oval outside Metricon. Which teaches you nothing about how to be playing in the furnace that is AFL midfield. Zero. Zero. It's actually almost pointless. Yep. Clubs would almost be better. They'd almost be better if there's enough of them in the hubs trying to do composite teams to at least be playing 18 on 18. Yeah. How many teams do we need to have 36 players? Because we're not getting anything playing 12 on 12. Yep. So that was a good robust discussion. Very good. I don't know who brought that comment to the table, but uh, it was Dr. Tim Davis, psychology major, of course, at the University of Donvale. Um, <laughs> UD. <laughs> UD. What would they be? Would they be the, the kookaburras or the... Uh, uh, the banana slugs. The banana slugs. <laughs> the mullum mullums. <laughs> Go banana slugs. Um, I think that wraps us up, gentlemen. Thank what you very much. What does mullum mean, Timber? It's probably something indigenous for... I know something. it's something indigenous, Tim, but what does it mean? I thought uh, you've rainbow. been on many walks through the trails and that it, it, it means rainbow. Rainbow? Yeah. Uh... Like legitimately, <laughs> hey, Tim, I, reckon, place value with that. I reckon Tim would be one of the greatest Boulder Dash players of all time. Oh, I'm amazing. <laughs> well, I think that wraps us up. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in tonight. It was a very robust discussion. Um, just for clarity's sake, I'm not calling for David Teague to be sacked. For anyone that's made it this far into the episode, it was a question. We're not asking that David Teague be removed from his position. I didn't expect them to sack him at halftime. Um, we all are moving in the ho- you know hoeing in the right direction and hoping we we're getting better. And as you do that, all the best clubs self evaluate and are self critical and their own harshest critic uh, in the in the search to actually become a better football team. So, um, thank you very much for your time for Dr. Tim Davis. Thank you very much, Sean. Always a pleasure, especially when you win a game of footy by five points. Absolutely. And for the returning Fubba Ganoush, I'm not sure if he was Mitch McGovern on his return to the pod. Uh, we'll let the the reviews do the talking there. 
mate, people miss me. Um, Were you a bit quiet, <laughs> quiet off a spell? Arrivederci ragazzi. Um, Mullum Mullum, the place of many big birds or place of eagles? There you go. There you go. Well, maybe it's the maybe the, the University yeah, of Dogdale. old Woi Wurrung language. So there you go, Tim. But learn a little bit more about the history, about the area in which you live. Done. You Luddite. Um, big, a big shout-out to uh, my boy Terry as well, who I got to chat to this week, and I think you guys oh, are going to do the same coming up as well. We've completely... <laughs> shit, very good of you to mention that because I yeah, I'd forgotten it. Uh, it was an excellent chat. Uh, Terry Degani and the Blue Abroad channel um, uh, are going to have a chat with each of us. Uh, Timbo was first cab off the rank. It's available via the Blue Abroad channels, uh, Facebook, Twitter and the like, and it was really, really good. So um, special shout-out to Terry for teeing that up and um, putting together a... Kelly, Kelly kept asking if Terry was holding a straight face and just why she, she felt like Terry just wanted to laugh every time <laughs> Tim started waffling. <laughs> but no, it was very, very good. If you haven't listened no, to it. No, it was a very, very good chat. Yeah, it was, I, I really Although enjoyed it. You got the history great. of the podcast completely wrong. But yeah, but I'm not, Well, I'm, you're going to address that, Fab. I think, correct. I think Terry's chatting to Fab uh, in the next day or two. So He was asking for history from the wrong guy because I just didn't have the uh, the finer details but at again, all. Absolutely damn. But again, Timbo, in classic Davis fashion, it was fantastic how confident you were in your answer. <laughs> No one would ever have questioned no it. No one mate. had any no. reason to question it. You gave him completely the wrong answer, but no one had any reason to question it. Everyone's probably going, oh, fair enough, that's interesting. Um, but, yeah, so thank you very much. Definitely check that out if you've got the time. Um, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Go blow blues. She's reaching for a backpack. Puts out a cigarette and gets on the bus. She's sitting on a secret. She didn't ask for no girl ever did But there's a whisper in her heartbeat She can hear it just enough to keep her alive When she's breathing in the blowback There's nothing you can offer she ain't already tried But she's breathing
you stay when she's breathing the blow back again.